Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, 49ers fans? It's Zane Ackley and Al Sacco here for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And I'm back after a little uh, little break there, a little one-episode hiatus, a bye week, if you will, Al. And uh, it feels good to be in the uh, co-pilot seat here with you. It's good to have you back, Zane. And I know, I know you did a Facebook Live on uh, the 49ers Web Zone Facebook. How'd that go? It went really well, man. I mean, I love talking to the, to the fans and getting their feedback. And, and it's just... I had to. I had to say something about after Jimmy Garoppolo signed that big deal. And it's just been such a roller coaster offseason already. <laughs> Highs and lows, dude. Highs and lows. Yeah, and we're we're only a few weeks in. So this the Jimmy Garoppolo signing and the Ruben Foster's thing, and now we've got free agency coming up and the draft coming up. And there's just man, there's just so much to to look forward to. It's crazy. You had this this high of this this Jimmy Garoppolo extension and in you know the future of the franchise is there, you know, at least on offense. And then you get the low of the Reuben Foster arrests. <laughs> been a been a been a couple of them now already. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, you know, it's 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 like getting the wind knocked out of you and, and it's crazy. Um the good news is they do have Garoppolo locked up and, and that's the future of the franchise and, and we'll see where this foster thing goes. But also we got free agency around the corner. Yeah, and we're going to talk about all that and more. But first, we have a guest today who's been a former NFL scout for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's You can also hear him on The Athletic, and he's got his own podcast, too. And it, without further ado, here is Mr. John Middlecoff. He's a former scout for the Philadelphia Eagles, and you can hear his podcast with Guy Haberman and find him at The Athletic. Please welcome Mr. John Middlecoff. John, thanks for taking the time to join us today, man. No, no problem. How you guys doing? Doing well. It's it's about to get pretty busy with free agency three weeks out, and and man, that that Super Bowl coming off that high and everything. It's it's kind of that lull in the off season where we really don't have a lot to talk about, but it's about to like it's a calm before the storm, right? No question. I mean, it's these last couple weeks. You're kind of post senior bowl before the combine. You're really locking into you know all the underclassmen that are coming out, and obviously the free agent class. It's pretty much set. I think the date for franchise tag uh, is Wednesday. Don't quote me on that. I, I think it's coming up here pretty soon, so you'll have a pretty good idea who's franchised and who's not franchised. That typically, you know, obviously changes the landscape of two or three players. Uh, but that's, for the most part, you have a decent idea who's going to get franchised. Maybe every once in a while there's a, there's a curveball, a guy doesn't get franchised, or a player does get franchised. But I'd say for the most part, every every scouting department, you know, has their uh, has their guys circled. You know, the three or four guys they really want to get those first couple of days. And I can't wait to pick your brain about that, about free agency in the draft and and where the Forty ers are going. But before before we do that, I have to ask: like, you were a scout for the the, the Eagles before your your media gig gig. Can you kind of take us through your time in Philly and how your career path led you to this current position that you have right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I planned on doing more media stuff before I ever got into scouting, and then it was just I, I it, when I was at Cal Poly, I actually wrote for my school paper, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook and some of those things. I guess Facebook was just starting to get around when I was in college, but it's nowhere near what it is now. I, I probably would have ended up just doing media full time, but I, I got involved in college recruiting, and from Cal Poly, I ended up at Fresno State. And then, you know, one thing led to another, and I got an opportunity to become a pro scout in Philly, kind of the lowest level position starting. And, you know, I, I liked it a lot. And it just, I did that for a couple of years on the pro side. And that's really kind of what we're talking about free agency, evaluating pro players. Uh, but really, when you're one of the lower guys in the totem pole, you're picking guys up for workouts. You know, you're playing a big role and cutting guys, you know, mm-hmm. during training camp. Uh, you really get to do everything. You know, NFL teams, they're really expensive. You know, they're $3, 4000000000 billion. But really, the scouting department, now they've grown a little these last five or six years, but they're, they're relatively small. So, you know, especially because half your staff, or even more than that, are college guys. So there's only five or six people in the office beside the coaching staff. So you're just kind of there to help the coaching staff, you know, during the season. 
you play a pretty big role during the season, advanced scouting. Uh, someone's always at your opponent the week before. So I did that my second year, mm-hmm. uh, w- which was, you know, stressful for sure. Uh, it's, it's not easy because, you know, you're kind of playing somewhat of a role every week, you know, making sure your coaching staff kind of gets the, the easiest jump into their game plan on Monday and Tuesday. So, uh, you know, it's, and then I went, and then I went, uh, college scouting my third year and did the west coast and moved back to the bay area i'm actually from davis so mm-hmm. you know basically doing all the pac-12 the west coast is really big you know like in the south every every college is within a couple hours of each other obviously you know from usc all the way up to washington over to colorado the area is just gigantic right. now there's not as many small schools you know it's mainly just the pac-12 uh, Fresno State, San Diego State, those type of schools. We don't have as many, you know, D2, D3 like they do in the South and Texas where, you know, a lot of bounce back and transfers go. But there's definitely a lot, a lot of time in the car just listening to the sports talk radio, that's for sure. And so I, I want to circle back to one thing. So you said you were cutting guys at training camp. Were, were you the Turk? Yeah, I was the Turk for a while. Oh, man. There were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, most people... Usually the youngest guy on the staff, you know, you're not actually telling them. You're, you know, they, they usually get a call from either the coach or the GM, mm-hmm. and then you're just in charge of – now it's probably more iPads. You know, three or four years ago, <clears throat> there was a tangible, big, you know, three-ring binder of a playbook, and you got to make sure you grab that bad boy because that's, that's really the reason you need the Turk is to grab the playbook. Uh, right. So usually grab the playbook. And obviously in training camp, there are a lot of guys, you know, sometimes if it's like a veteran player that had been on the team for a while, they're, you know, every team's different, but they're definitely going to meet one-on-one with the head coach and the GM. Now with 90-man rosters, you know, a lot of guys in camp, teams hate saying this, but camp bodies, there are a lot of NFL players that just because you're in a training camp, you're never going to be an NFL player. Because uh, there's a big 53 and 90. There's a big difference between like the 40th guy and the 85th guy. You're cutting a lot of guys that, you know, were basically there just to save legs. But, you know, occasionally you cut, you know, maybe a draft pick, you know, like a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder that you realize right away sucks. Or, you know, even the, I guess, you know, a veteran guy that maybe was on the team the previous year had made it as like an undrafted free agent. And then, you know, you draft a guy high that takes a spot. So it's, you know, it's definitely stressful for the, it's the whole building's tense. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a kind of a crappy time because a lot of these guys, you know, in their mind, even the guys that aren't that close, I don't think they quite realize that they do feel they're close. Why wouldn't they? They're just playing in NFL preseason games and then boom, it's over. Mm-hmm. And John, jumping into the 49ers, like we said, it's early in the offseason, but there's already been some highs and lows. And the good news is obviously the Jimmy Garoppolo <clears throat> contract extension. And the bad news is the Ruben Foster fiasco. And, and let's get the bad news out of the way. The situation with Foster is getting ugly pretty fast. What are your thoughts yeah. on, on his arrests and, and how do you see this playing out in the immediate future? Yeah, I mean, it's not good at all. Uh, it's pretty clear, obviously, once you get Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy's the best player on the team. But you know, Ruben, if DeForest Buckner's two, you know, maybe Bailey's still pretty damn good. I mean, Ruben's the top three or four player on the team already, and he played in 10 games. Uh, and clearly he looks like he's got the chance to be the best middle linebacker in the league. But th- th- there was a reason he got drafted at 31, and it-, it wasn't just because of his shoulder injury. So, you know, I I don't care about if you smoke marijuana or not, but the league does. And so that arrest to me was a big deal because he already failed a test of the combine with a diluted sample. Then that arrest with marijuana was going to be, he'd have to go back in the program. And then obviously this recent arrest with domestic violence is as bad as it gets. When you say the words domestic violence, Mm -hmm. uh, assault rifles, you know, he spent the day in jail. (laughs) And again, he had just been arrested, you know, three weeks previously. So he'd basically been arrested twice within six weeks of the end of week 17 i mean that's pretty crazy it's you know guys get arrested here and there i'm pretty sure he's the only nfl guy that's been arrested or at least that i remember reading about in the off season and he has two 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it was a guy that Lynch had openly talked about, you know, Ruben's got to stay focused. We have faith in him. And then he doubled down at the senior bowl. I mean, and I don't blame him. He's like, you know, he's got to really lock in and stay out of trouble. We have faith he will. And he gets in trouble again. So even if you're his biggest supporter, I, you know, I don't want to say it's Alden Smith because Alden got so bad, but hard to say that it's not headed that way. Like if you were betting, which way is it going to head? Is he going to turn his life around? Or is he going to become Alden? You have to probably bet he's going to become older, right? I mean, just yeah. I mean, two arrests in the off season, and he had some issues before he even got into the NFL. So, I think the tough part with him, and kind of like Alden, I think his personality is a little more outgoing than Alden was. But like with Alden, when Alden was in the building, everyone liked him. Coaches liked him. He played hard. He practiced hard. It, the football was no problem, and that's you know probably two times you know, even more impactful with Ruben. He's loved in the locker room. He's got this huge smile. He's just kind of the life of the room. Uh, you know, the coaches love him. Obviously, John Lynch loves him. The fan base, just you just naturally kind of gravitate to, toward him. And I think sometimes it's easy when the guy's kind of, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear here, but like an asshole, you know, it's mm-hmm. easy to justify cutting him. But that's mm-hmm. not the case with Ruben. So I think it's going to, it makes the situation hard because you want to give him the benefit of the doubt one, because he's really good, and two, just because you like him, you know? On the most basic level, you just like him. And I, I think you saw that with Alden for a long period of time. Uh, and, I, you know, I think that's why it could get a little hairy might be the wrong word because he created this, but why I think they're going to give him probably more chances than he should if he ends up keep going down this road. But if you're the 49ers, don't you kind of have to go into this offseason and plan as if he's not there? Because it looks like he's going to at least get suspended. Don't you kind of want to take your offseason plan and say, okay, we got to add a linebacker here just in case? I just think you got to look at the big picture. You, you just got to be like, whatever we get out of this guy moving forward is going to be gravy. He may give us eight more years of Pro Bowls, or we may never see him again. You know, so yeah, I, I, crazy. It's crazy. I agree. Now, it's hard because it's easy to say that about 90% of your team, but when you're looking at him like, well, he could be our best player for the next eight or nine years. It's just, it's tough. And it's, it's where you get yourself in these weird situations. You saw the Niners. And again, I, I hate to keep bringing Alden up, but it was like, he was so good. And I think Ruben flashed the same type deal, obviously at a different position, but I, I mean, the man on the moon could be like, geez, this guy is just incredible. And it's just, it's tough. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, if Ruben was, you know, high character, never been in trouble, you wouldn't need to take a linebacker with your first round pick. Now, I, I don't necessarily think you need to, but it definitely has to be in play if, you know, one of the top guys is there and you think he's good enough. Now, John, on to the good news. And that's obviously Jimmy Garoppolo signing his five year contract, became the richest player in the NFL, and everybody was up in arms one way or the other about it. And we all know what we saw as far as Garoppolo passing the eye test. But if you could just put your scouting hat on for a second and just talk about what you've seen as a scout from him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what he does poorly. Uh, he's accurate. He's athletic. Uh, he's got clearly a good enough arm. You know, that last game, I when he threw a couple picks against the Rams, but, you know, he didn't really have anything to lose. He's a really good decision maker, clearly understands the offense. You know, I guess if you were nitpicking him, you'd say he doesn't have ideal size, but he's definitely big enough. Uh, and really the knock is that he hasn't done it because he's only started seven games. It's not really his fault. He was drafted behind Tom Brady. You know, no one would play. Aaron Rodgers would have sat too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think the sky's the limit. I, I don't know if he'll ever become Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but it's pretty clear he's going to be pretty damn good. Uh, you know, I, I, I was hesitant to say he had maybe quote unquote top five ability when they got him just based off the two games that I saw in new England, but I thought he could definitely be a top 10 player, uh, top 10 quarterback, you know, like better than cousins and kind of that fringe eight, nine, 10 guy. But I, I think he's even better than that after watching him, especially when you factor in Kyle, who's, you know, one of the best play callers really of, of recent memory. Uh, you look at in the division, you know, Russell Wilson's a Hall of Famer. He's he's one of the most unique players we've ever seen. But if you told me I got to choose between Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo for the next 
eight, ten years, I, I wouldn't even hesitate. To, I'd take Jimmy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and obviously Arizona doesn't have a quarterback, so you got to feel pretty good that, you know, if, if, if Seattle has the best quarterback, and you'd have to say that now, that you have the second-best quarterback in, in the division. So you mentioned Aaron Rodgers a little bit earlier, and I, I kind of want to ask you, do you see Jimmy Garoppolo having growing pains, or do you see him stepping in just like Aaron Rodgers and just kind of playing at a Pro Bowl level? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously from what we saw those last five games, if he did that for 16, he's a Pro Bowl-level player. Uh, I think it's going to, to sustain that, they're going to have to get better players on offense. Like, could he do that for a full season with Trent Taylor and George Kittle as his go-to options? Obviously, Pierre Garçon will be coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a ton of good tight ends in this draft. It wouldn't shock me if they took a guy high. You know, uh, what's his name? Marquise Goodwin, you know, look like Odell Beckham Jr., you know, in the, in the right. couple games mm-hmm. that Jimmy started. I mean, is that sustainable? Maybe it is. Maybe it's just Marquise Goodwin will tell you, well, I've never played with a good quarterback until now. And look, you know, I'm a 70, 80 catch guy for a full season with that guy. And he might, he might be right. Uh, but I definitely think you need more weapons. Trent Taylor looks like he's going to be a good slot receiver. Uh, their offensive line, though, I mean, the, the, the guards, obviously Kilgore is coming back. I'm not the biggest Kilgore guy, but they didn't pay him that much money. That, that's fine. It's, you know, it's not easy to find centers. Uh, but their guard position, they, they have to improve on. I, I don't think you can factor in on, you know, Garnett hasn't done anything in the NFL, and he's coming off a major injury. So I, I, I don't think, and they didn't draft him, so they're not necessarily married to him. I, I don't know if you can depend on him. Uh, I wouldn't say guards out of the question at the, uh, you know, that first round pick, even though I'm not huge on taking a guard that high, but the 49ers have a pretty big need, especially when you pay a quarterback, you know, $27 million a year, you, bet, you better protect them. And you mentioned some of those upgrades. What do you see this team doing in free agency on, on either side of the ball? Do you see some big names coming in? Do you think they'll be aggressive but cautious? I don't, the, I don't, I, I don't know who the big names are. You know, you, I talked to some of my buddies in the league. I, I saw Jason Lock and Forrest write this, and it kind of got me thinking. He had like an unnamed exec call it the worst free agent class he'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And just texting some of my buddies on different teams, that they think it stinks too. Like the best player to hit the market is like Ziggy Yonsa. Uh, and I, I talked to a buddy that I kind of lean on that's really good. He, he thinks Ziggy's best days are kind of behind him, uh, e- even though he had 12 and a half sacks. He didn't think he looked as good this year, kind of stiff. Obviously, he's battled injuries. Did have 12 and a half sacks, and pass rushers get paid, but do I want to pay that guy 12 or $13 million a year? You know, it says he's 28, but there are always rumors that he's older than that. Uh, you know, you look at the Demarcus Lawrence, if Allen Robinson gets franchise tagged, you know, I, the Niners wouldn't pay Jarvis Landry. He's a slot receiver, not an outside receiver. And obviously, not obviously, Jar, Jarvis is better than Trent Taylor, but you have a cheap slot receiver. So why, why would you pay a guy, you know, that wants like claims he wants Devontae Adams' money? Now, you could always sign offensive linemen in free agency, even if you have to overpay. The Raiders are a good example. If you get the top one and you overpay, you're, you're not going to miss very often because they're typically plug and play positions. Uh, but I don't think the corner group, you know, is that great. There's not like, uh, you know, an AJ Bouye type corner on the open market. So I, I'd expect the 49ers. And I think you, this is why they signed Kilgore. You, you do stuff like that when there's really not other guys to sign, you know, you look at the center market, you go, well, our guy's solid, uh, and there's no one to upgrade and the draft's not great. So I think you got to balance who you're going to draft. Uh, and what the market is, and the, and the market's not good. Plus, a lot of teams have money. So that means the average guys that hit free agency get even m- more money than they typically get because so many teams, you know, it's not like baseball. Every team can sign every player if they have space. And this year, you just Google, there's a ton of teams with a lot of space. And in the NFL, guys just take the most money for the most part just because you're usually only hitting free agency once in your career. And with this free agent crop not being so good, we can probably expect the 49ers to build through the draft. And with that being said, what do you expect out of the 49ers in April's draft this year? I, you know, I'm interested to see. Last year, you know, Solomon Thomas was a pretty easy pick. Most people knew he was a top five pick. And then the next several rounds were kind of a roller coaster ride. Obviously, they traded up for Ruben. Uh, you know, and then they traded up for C.J. Beathard. I don't think many people saw that. 
they were open-minded with Joe Williams in the fourth round, a team that they had off the draft board. I would expect, depending on what they do in free agency, you know, to go to draft an offensive lineman for sure, you know, a guard somewhere along the line. I, I think the draft strengths, just talking to people around the league, there are going to be a couple corners there. I mean, their corner position is not very good. Uh, and in a division against Sean McVay and Jared Goff and, and Russell Wilson, you got to have better DB play. So I, I think that a corner would be in play depending on, you know, if they pick nine or 10. And, you know, I, I think once you get to the second round, obviously that top second round or New England has, but they have two second round picks, don't they? And then a couple thirds. I mean, they, they had two second round picks, so now they only have one. Uh, I think they have the Saints pick in the yep. second round. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are going to be a ton of – is a deep draft for running backs, uh, depending on what happens with Carlos Hyde. That's the one thing. It's hard when you see mock drafts now. Because uh, in the NFL, free agency comes before the draft. So if they were to re-sign Carlos Hyde to, you know, let's just hypothetically say like three years, $20 million and $10 million guaranteed, then I'd say more than likely they're not going to draft a running back you know, in the first, second or third round. But if he walks, I would be like, well, they could easily take a running back in that second round. So I, I think it all depends on little moves like that. Like, to me, that's more likely moves in free agency for them. Like, re-sign Carlos Hyde, sign a nickel corner, do stuff like that. And for the most part, uh, unless you're signing the big, big-name guys, which there really aren't in this class, you know, the free agency is pretty overrated in the NFL. Well, John, uh, thank you so much for your time, man. I, it's it's crazy. I, I I missed hearing you guys on the game, and now you've got the podcast and everything, so it's great to hear that. And why don't you tell our listeners where they can find that podcast? Yeah, you just go to Apple, type in uh, Haberman and Middlecoff Podcast. It'll come right up. It comes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I, I usually have an article on The Athletic, so anyone that subscribes, usually a football article on on Tuesdays and Fridays. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, I'll have something out on kind of what goes on in free agency meetings and draft meetings uh, in NFL front offices, you know, right now. Awesome stuff. Thanks, John. Looking forward to doing this again, man. Take care. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, John. And thanks again to John for his time. And I'll hear on local radio, a lot of people have heard him and, and Guy Haberman as well on 95.7 The Game. And it's kind of cool to talk to these people one-on-one. And I actually didn't know that he was the Turk in training camp. And for those of you who don't know what the Turk is, the Turk is basically the guy that comes around and collects the playbook from all the players that are cut. So he's basically the most feared man in training camp for every single team and comes by and knocks on the door and, and you know, he'll come in and say, Hey, coach, coach wants to see you bring your playbook. And it's a really dramatic moment. So it's kind of cool that we actually got to talk to one of those guys. Yeah. It was like a hard knocks, you know, when you hear the yeah. Turk hard knocks on HBO, you see that guy kind of running around and um, knocking on the door and taking the playbook. And it's, yeah, it's, it was kind of cool to kind of hear that side of it. Yeah. And it's super dramatic. And he's like, you know, coach wants to see you bring your playbook, right? Like it's, it's, it's yep. really cool. So um, really cool to talk to him, but Al, moving on. I think that the 49ers have a lot of work to do with this off season, not, and, and unfortunately part of it is off field stuff and how yeah. they handle the Ruben Foster situation it's going to be one of the defining moments of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And it's, it's unfair to say, because this is such a difficult situation. If he was like a seventh rounder, if he was something, some, someone that didn't mean as much to the team, he's gone, but he's arguably mm-hmm. the best defense, the best defensive player on the team and could be one of the best linebackers in the game. So it's like, it's a balancing act of, of taking this seriously, which it is a serious, a serious allegation. Like you should un- under no circumstance, ever 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 hit a woman like this is a really serious thing and balancing that with the nfl's own investigation and the team's own own sort of uh punishment for this it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting couple of months i think al and i know the 49ers are still gathering information here and we don't know all of the facts yet but what do we know well we know we had an argument with his girlfriend and that ended in her calling the police and accusing him of domestic violence and What's been said anyway is that he dragged her out of the house or something like that. And he was also booked on suspicion of owning an assault rifle. And John went over some of these things too when, when we brought up the situation. And this happens only about a month after he was arrested for possession of marijuana. And let's not forget, Foster also failed a drug test for a diluted sample at the combine and was sent home for getting in a fight with a hospital employee mm-hmm. at the combine too. So 
Now, prior to the domestic violence accusation, Foster, to me, showed a history of you know bad judgment, immaturity, selfishness, all of which are bad because it hurts your team, which is what he's doing because if he gets suspended, he's you know obviously not going to be on the field. So while that's bad enough, you know, being a knucklehead is one thing. If he put his hands on a woman, if that's what he did, you jump to a whole new level of disgusting. And now, again, we don't know exactly what happened. And, and I really don't want to speculate and say, well, they wrote this and someone said this. I just know what he was accused of. And what I see here is a pattern of behavior. And I think to myself, is this really someone the 49ers want to center their defense around? And I'm not so sure. And for me, I think you have to move forward as if Ruben Foster isn't on your roster. And kind of like John said too, you know, if he plays the next eight years, great. If he plays the next eight games, great. That's almost like how you have to look at it because he's such a wild card right now. But if it does come out that he definitely abused this woman, to me, see ya. I don't, I don't want him on the team and I don't want to hear the things like, oh, he deserves another chance or he needs help or the 49ers should help him stop it. If he, if he hit a woman, if he did that, it's utterly unacceptable to me. And, and listen, for people that saying like, oh, you should help the guy, you know, oh, he's good locker. Listen, you don't know Ruben Foster. You like him because he's a good football player. Would you want to give a second chance to some dude who, who hit your mom, who hit your sister, right? hit your daughter, yeah. right? right? You know, yeah. and, and there's this thing and, and it, 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 it pisses me off because, you know, I love football as much as anybody, but people see these guys on the field and they're like, oh, you know, and I'm not accusing anyone in particular, just things that you hear or read. Uh, he's a good guy. There's another chance. You know, they should help him. They shouldn't cast him off. Dude, if you hit a girl, good riddance. That's yeah. honestly how I feel about it. And it's kind of sad because, you know, you as a fan of a team, you, you get attached to players and rightfully so. But maybe in the end, we should just root for laundry. You know what I mean? We should just root for the colors and, and the helmets and, 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 and sometimes not worry about the individuals in, in, in the uniform. Because when things like this happen, it's like, what do you root? It, it, it's disheartening. You know what I mean? You got this guy who seems like he was, you know, this this bubbly personality and this great rocker room guy, and he's running around the field and he's high fiving people and things like that. And then you hear this, and you see this pattern of behavior, and and, it, and it's a punch in the gut, and it's it's frustrating as a fan of the team, it's frustrating as a fan of football, it's frustrating as just humanity to hear when someone does something like that. And I think there's a lot of frustration with the fan base with that right now, and and we'll see how it plays out. But you know, listen have strong feelings on it and in a situation like that i have every right to so and i i couldn't have said it any better than you that is not acceptable under any circumstance like you you cannot ever put your hands on a woman like when he was arrested but not charged for domestic violence you can't you can't even don't do it like we don't know the facts and and i had a knee-jerk reaction on twitter and and admittedly like i probably should have probably should have waited to send that tweet but you know, but I, I basically said I was done with Ruben Foster at that point, but none of the facts that come in. I think that right. now having, letting that marinate for a little bit, like I, I would definitely want to see the facts and see what the actual story is. But it, again, if you, as you said, if, if this is true, he's gone. Like there's no, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. there's no coming back from that. And I, I mean, not, not only the, the pattern of bad behavior that he's had, but concerns me, but it's, it's also the fact that he's not apologizing for any of this. Like, have you heard of any apology from Ruben Foster saying, Hey man, I messed up. I, I let my team down. Like, you know, I'm sorry. Like we're still getting the facts. I mean, I don't know if he's been told to be quiet by the team or his lawyer, whoever's representing him. But after the first thing, like after the first uh, marijuana arrest, there was no apology. Like, I mean, look, man, like I don't, I don't care about a guy smoking pot or whatever. That's fine. You make your life choices, whatever, whatever you want to do, do it. But if you're breaking a rule, a league rule, and you're hurting your team, which he's doing right now, you need to own up to that and be like, hey, man, it's my fault, my bad. I let my team down. I own this. I apologize. And then, and then at least there's a starting point. Like, there's no starting point right now. We're just still waiting to hear from Ruben Foster. We're still waiting to hear from him to say, like, hey, man, like, what are you even remorseful about this? Are you even sorry about this? So that to me is almost just as disturbing as the pattern of behavior. It's like the fact that this keeps happening and he's not apologizing. Now, granted, he did, he did talk to teams at the combine and he apologized and all that stuff. But, you know, at that point, he's looking for a job in the NFL. Now that he's got that job, now that he's got those millions of dollars, does it, does it change you? Are you still the same guy? So there's a lot to unpack. And, and I want to say that I was one of, Ruben, I was one of Ruben Foster's biggest supporters coming into the draft. And those who have listened to us 
since last year, since the draft, know that. Know that well, I was. We, we wanted to take him at two. We we yeah. were going to take him at the second overall pick. We both of us. Felt yeah, that way. absolutely. We we were totally in his corner. We were absolutely all about Ruben Foster, and he up until all of this stuff happened, he was my four, favorite Forty Nine er player, not named Jimmy Garoppolo. So it's not it's not as if this is this is anything other than the fact that that a guy messed up. Uh, you know, people people want to turn it into other things, like like uh, turn it into racial things. It's not it, it's not anything besides a guy messing up repeatedly. That's it. You know, that's that's where it stops. That's where it finishes. You know, it to me, the fact that he's hanging out with these people that keep. I, I want to know who he's rolling with. What's his What's his crew like? Well, who is Who is he hanging out with? Right? Who are these people that are that are basically around him? that that he's getting into trouble with because obviously like if you surround yourself with with good people then then there's some hope for you right that you'll actually be able that some of the behavior rubs off on you but uh, i'm just like i I, i'm fully expecting ruben foster to be gone for at least half the season maybe the Mm -hmm. full season and i don't want to i don't know what the nfl will rule in terms of their their discipline it's always convoluted but i'm expecting him to be gone for an extended period of time and i think the 49ers are too and you talk about the maturity thing and you say, well, he's a kid. And listen, when I was 23, I made awful decisions constantly, you know, but mm-hmm. right or wrong, when you're in the NFL, when you're a professional athlete, when you're on a national stage, you got to grow up uh, quicker, you know what I mean? Than the average 23 year old, right or wrong. It, it, it is, how, you know, it is how it is. And obviously when I talk about the maturity, I'm talking about the marijuana and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, dude, like you mentioned, and I don't know if he's got to, if the, his lawyers told him not to say anything, I'm sure that's what's going on, mm-hmm. but I don't know, buy an Xbox one and sit in your basement. Don't leave your house. Yeah. You know, just make good decisions, go work out, come home, play video games. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that hard. So very frustrating, man. But I don't he's know. Let's talk- he's been the only guy that's been arrested in this off season. Like he's yeah, he's been arrested twice. He's like a month old, dude. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> still like, still like, he's the only guy. It's like the NFL has thirty-two teams. It has over a thousand active players, but you have to be the guy that's a bonehead and gets arrested twice, twice, twice like, in a month. Is it's just mind-boggling. I I just can't believe it. Oh my god! All right, let's. Can we talk about something else now? I'm yeah, like, please. Oh my god, I need a drink already. <laughs> All right, free agency, right? Yay! All right, that's coming up. All right. What I want to start off with in free agency was, you know, when when you when we talk to people on Twitter and in like I always say, Zane and I are, are big on Twitter, and a lot of what I'm going to talk about today with the edge rushers are names that you guys sent me on Twitter. I put out something on Twitter today about edge rushers that you guys wanted um, at El Sacco Forty Nine at Zane Forty Niners. So we love interacting with fans, and a lot of what you guys tell us on Twitter we bring to the show. So thank you to everybody who who responded and, and contributed. But getting the edge rushers, I'm I'm thinking about it today and. Everybody says when you say, oh, what do the Niners need? They need a cornerback. They need an edge rusher. They need interior offensive line. You know, edge rusher is one of the main things that, that you see in terms of their free agent needs. But when you look at the free agent pool, like John was saying, there's really nothing there, man. Because DeMarcus or Lawrence is going to get um, tagged for the Cowboys. Hmm. So he's, there's no way he's going to be on the market, whether they resign him, tag him, whatever. There's no way Lawrence is getting to free agency. Now, Ezekiel Anza could get tagged as well. He's by far the best option out there. But even if he does hit the open market, he's 29. He's had some injury concerns and he's been a little bit inconsistent. He had 14 and a half sacks in 2015 and he had 12 in 2017. All the most of them came towards the end of the season in 2016. He only had a couple of sacks and he only had two sacks. So you got to worry about that inconsistency. You got to worry about the injuries. You know, are you given four years, 60 million, even though the contract wouldn't end up being that much money to a guy like that? I mean, they might because the need is there, but beyond him, there there is not much there. I mean, do you like Adrian Claiborne? He's going to be 30. He's only really had one year. Last year, he had nine and a half sacks. Before that, he had three and four and a half. Do you like Okafor for the New Orleans Saints? You know, he he had four and a half sacks before getting hurt. He's never really, you know, done anything crazy. You'd kind of be getting him hoping there's some more upside there. Do you take a chance on a guy like Trent Murphy from the Redskins? there's, There's just not a lot out there. I know um, our friend Larry Kruger actually just t- just tweeted out a name. Um, the Chargers, I'm going I'm to try to say his last name, Jeremiah Atachu. And a couple of the fans um, sent me his name too. Just another guy that really hasn't ever hit his potential with the Chargers. Do you take a flyer on him? And those are the names you hear. And I'm, I'm thinking, other than that, you got to hope somebody like Robert Quinn gets cut or, or someone like that becomes available. I think Shaq Barrett for... Um, 
the Broncos is a restricted free agent, so you'd have to give up a pick for him. Zane, there's just not a lot out there pass rush wise. There isn't, and that's evidenced by. And John mentioned that when a team is starting to resign their own players, it means that there's not very much out outside of their own team that they can that that they'll be attracted to. So they resigned Cassius Marsh to that two year deal. Early, it actually got overshadowed by the Jimmy Garoppolo deal, but they signed it. It was the first deal that the Forty ers did this off season. So he's he's got a lot of potential. He's five, he's twenty five years old, and and you know he's got a good burst, and he came from that Seattle system that Robert Sala is is used to running so he's a he's a good system guy but i'm not sure if he's a guy that you can count on like every down to get to the quarterback so it's it's gonna have to be i i think out it's gonna have to be and, and i don't want to bury our our lead for our draft preview show but uh i just want to touch on it for a sec and say that the 49ers will most likely build at these key positions through the draft because the free you don't want to be overpaying for a mediocre free agent class like they've got the most cap room that they've had in a long long time and they intend on spending some of that, but I think that you're going to see a lot of really smart signings. You won't see them taking flyers on guys like they won't see uh, them taking a flyer on like Ju- Julius Peppers for like you know like a one year deal or Ahmad Brooks bringing him back or Dwight Freeney or any of these older guys. You'll see them making system sort of signings, but I don't think honestly, Al, I don't see anybody. I'm looking at this list right now of of, of pass rushers, and there's just nobody on here. Like there's they have. Tank Carradine and Aaron Lynch of their own that are going to be free agents. I don't think either of those guys are going to be back. Um, Carradine maybe, but Aaron Lynch is basically, he was he was a healthy scratch for most of the season. But aside from that, you have Lamar Houston, Barcavius Mingo, as you said, Courtney Upshaw, Sam Acho, all these guys. Like None of these guys are really blue-chip players, so you're going to see them probably sit on their hands as far as a pass rusher goes. Yeah, I think it's one of those positions that they're going to have to address in the draft. And, it, and it's a shame because, they, again, we don't want to get into too much draft stuff now, but they may also have to address inside linebacker in the draft as well. And, you know, people talked about, what is it, Tremaine Edmonds? From, is that his name? The linebacker yeah. that some people are, can say that can end up being a Leo for the Niners? Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe that's the direction they go in. But, yeah, it's it's a little scary when you think about it. And I'm starting to wonder with free agency if it's if it's not going to be – as crazy for the Niners as, as we think it is. It's, they're definitely going to going to be aggressive and they're going to make some signings, but are they going to have that splash signing? I don't know. And especially at edge rusher, got to wait and see. I mean, Ansa can be tagged by the time the show, you know, is up and people are listening to it. So mm-hmm. who knows? But where there are options is the cornerback position. And there are a lot of corners out there. I guess it just depends on who they like and, and what they want to pay. What, what are your thoughts on the corners? And do, do you like someone like, a, do you want to pay for a Malcolm Butler? Or Tremaine Johnson, or do you want to go for maybe you know a lower cost guy um, yeah. instead of those guys? No, I'll absolutely pay for Tremaine Johnson like that. If if you can get uh, a, a shutdown corner, Tremaine Johnson is a shutdown corner. He's only twenty eight years old, so he's got he's got at least a few years left, and is still in his prime. And if you can get a guy like that and and put him on one side and completely shut down one side of the field, you can shift your cover you shift your coverage over to the other side. Now, the thing with this. This um, cover three one one or nine man in the box sort of Seattle uh, type of defense that they run with the one deep free safety is that free safety will help out on the side that's not that needs to be double teamed. So basically, they're relying on one corner to shut down one entire side of the field, like Richard Sherman did for Seattle, and then Earl Thomas would kind of come over the top to help the the weaker corner. And if you've got a guy who can shut down one half of the field, it frees up your free safety to be able to basically play the ball and play center field. So I think that if you can get an elite corner, I, I think that these guys are going to come. They're they're not going to come cheap, and there will be a bidding war. But the fact of the matter is, is that they're also going to want to go to a winning team. And I don't see very many teams out there with cap room and also the potential that the Forty ers have. So uh, you know, like guy like Kyle Fuller, I think would be a great addition. Malcolm Butler, Tremaine Johnson, any of those three guys. If you want to go a step down, Prince Mukamara. Is is one of those guys? Vontae Davis is coming off an injury, but he was he was a solid corner for a few years before he got hurt. You know, there's there's definitely some potential there, and I think that they'll they'll dip into that market sooner rather than later. It may be one of the first signings. Kyle Fuller, a lot of people like him. Number of fans have brought up his name to me, and he just scares me because he he's been pretty inconsistent. I know he had a really good year last year, but the Bears actually didn't even exercise his option his fifth year option as a first round pick because he, because he was so inconsistent. So he, it just scares me throwing a lot of money to somebody like that. I'm thinking 
they could end up more with a more low key signing like Rashawn Melvin from the Colts. He's hmm. six foot two. Um, pro Football Focus graded him out in eighty five point seven. Although I have some issues with Pro Football Focus after. Did you see the Frank Gore thing I tweeted out today? I did. I did. Yeah, if, if any fans haven't seen that, check out my Twitter um, where they gave some grades to Frank Gore that were utterly ridiculous throughout his career, ridiculously low when Gore had GTO Sullivan and, and Trent Dilfer as a quarterback and he was still gaining 1,100 yards. It was It's ridiculous. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it, but yeah, check it out on my Twitter. But um, yeah, anyway, Rashawn Melvin, um, I think he could be maybe a guy that you, you know, sort of a low key guy that the Niners go and grab. I do sort of feel like there's going to be one cut because they have, they have the money. They're going to go out and dress a need where they need to. And, and maybe it is Jermaine Johnson. Malcolm Butler scares me a little bit too. And we saw, you know, Pierre Garcon tweeting at him and saying, you know, Hey man, <laughs> you know, come to the Niners and in a lot of people like Butler too, but I, he, he's a good player. I know he had an off year again. He just kind of scares me with like some of the things that happened this year with the benching in the Super Bowl. Is there some drama there? I don't know. And do you want to pay the money for somebody like that? Maybe you do because he can play. You know, maybe this is just a situation where a guy like Johnson or a guy like Butler, you say, okay, these guys can play, man. You know, enough is enough. Give the guy the money because they can play. So we'll see. And I, I like, you know, Akamara is another guy that you mentioned who could be a good pickup. You know, does Akib Talib get cut? Is he a guy that they can go after? Right? There's a lot, a lot of options at corner. And I think they can def. They're going to. They need multiple cornerbacks, so they can definitely fill the need with with one or two in free agency here. Did you hear about Marcus Peters possibly becoming a, a trade candidate in Kansas City? I, I did hear that. Though, you know, the thing that's starting to scare me with the trades, though, and, and there's a lot of that, too. You know, the Niners can trade for this guy, for that guy. At some point, how many draft picks do you want to give up? You, yeah. you know, and I, I know Marcus Peters is a hell of a player, um, but if you can sign a comparable guy and keep your draft pick, you know, is, is, that, is that the option you want to go? What, what do you think of Peters? Marcus Peters, see, here's the, here's the thing. Before the Ruben Foster thing, I would have been like, all right, no problem. Even, even if he has a little bit of head case, we have enough stability. 49ers have enough stability on the defensive side of the football and John Lynch and, and all that stuff. They'll be able to kind of put him in the right place to be able to succeed. After the Ruben Foster thing, I don't think the 49ers need another one of those guys. They don't. Right. Like, they don't right. need another headache. Right now, it, like, one is enough. And if you put a bunch of those guys on the team, yeah, they're going to ball out. But they're going to be they're going to give you headaches like twenty four seven all the time off the field as well. So, I mean, I saw a proposal for the 49ers to trade the the nine or ten pick, whatever they they get in the coin flip, to Buffalo for their two first round picks, which is twenty one mm-hmm. and twenty two, and then flip one of those picks to Kansas City for Marcus Peters. Kansas City they're they're making it clear that that he is on the bubble, like they he's not guaranteed a spot on their team. So in that case. You know, when you're re- when you're rebuilding a team and you're building towards a championship, I want the guys that are like a sure thing. I want a guy that can be counted on. I want a guy that that's mature. I want a guy that that will be able to hold himself accountable. And when you add more of the the immature sort of question marks to the mix, it it kind of stalls your rebuild because you're half the time you're kind of having to babysit these guys, for lack of a better term. So that that risk is not worth the reward to me. But I, I do want to ask you about another potential uh, cap casualty. Uh, and it may be, and, and this is totally one of my ridiculous hot fire takes. I don't have very many of them, but this, this take is straight fire. Thank you, so, Richard Sherman one again, is it? Is the Richard Sherman one again? We're going back to the Richard Sherman one. Yeah. <laughs> We're going back to the Richard Sherman one. Yep. We're going to go back. I'm going to circle back on that. And it's, getting, it's kind of gaining some steam. And, and he's got that big cap number. He's getting paid, what, $13 million? this year and he's and he's coming off an injury and he's 30 years old so they may cut him if he doesn't take a if he doesn't take a pay cut so a, a pissed off Richard Sherman I mean I, I mean Al that's kind of that's kind of an attractive deal isn't it yeah but it's it's a pissed off Richard Sherman coming off an Achilles injury at 30 years old I, I would want nothing to do with that personally um I know he's he's listen he's been you know one of the best corners in the league for years and he certainly fits the mold of what they're looking for 6-3 experience in the defense that they run I just, again, what kind of contract are you giving a 30 year old coming off a major injury? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I always, when I look at these guys, I, I can find like the negatives with every situation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I like this guy, but yeah, I know you're big. You're big on the Sherman thing. Like I'm big on the Jimmy Graham thing. Those are like our crazy, like, you know, we want this to happen. I, if I were them, I, I'd stay away from that personally. Yeah. I, I really would. You, you really think he'd be a good fit? I think he would because he knows the system. 
and he plays that same physical sort of style. And the injury, yes, he he did obviously the the Achilles is a is a it's a major injury and it's a full year recovery. And even after the full year, it takes another year to get back to your normal explosiveness sometimes. But the fact of the matter is is that Richard Sherman plays physical, right? He plays his he doesn't rely on speed. He doesn't rely on his natural not necessarily like athleticism, but he doesn't rely on like quick cutting and speed and agility in those things he he gets by on physicality and ball skills so even in the comment he ran like a four five three forty which was pretty pedestrian for a corner which made him which made him drop so in the draft that year so i think that the fact if he can stay physical then he'll be fine but if there's any sort of drop off in his ball skills because of that injury then then he's in serious trouble so i i really think that they'll have to kind of evaluate whether they want to go that route. And I think they'll, they'll probably kick the tires to be honest, Robert Sala, like he'd probably kick the tires, but I'm not sure if they can actually make that deal. Yeah. He'll have to do even more holding than he usually does. Um, <laughs> clutching on, yeah. clutching on receivers and no, no, you know, Sherman's Sherman was great. Um, I, I just, I just don't know the, the injury would scare me there. What, what I do want to see this team do though, is get the pieces in place now where they can build the defense the way it's supposed to be. And what I mean by that is get Solomon Thomas inside because he's an inside player. And I think he was, mm-hmm. he was miscast playing on the outside. So you get the player to play on the outside to move him back inside. You know, the defensive line doesn't need to, you got, it doesn't need to be addressed. You have Buckner, you have Armstead coming back who I don't think he has a long-term future, but he's a, a good enough player. He can contribute next year. You have Thomas, you have Sheldon day who, who I'm a huge fan of um, Earl Mitchell. You got a lot of good players on the inside there. A lot of good defensive line pieces. You just need to get that pass rusher. And, and Dumerville is still good in a situational role. We'll see what Marsh can be, but they just need that one guy there. And we like what they're doing at the safety position. Obviously, if the three safeties next year are Tart, Ward, and um, Adrian Colbert, you know, we, we really like that. And we, we talked about we need those corners to go along with Witherspoon and Williams. You need another corner to start on the outside and, and, and then depth at the corner position. But the elephant in the room, again, this linebacker position. If, if Foster is not there, you have Malcolm Smith coming back, but, but what's the answer there? Do, do they have to go out and get a vet just in case Foster's not around for five or six games? Do you get a Paul Puzlesny or, or, or Derek Johnson or somebody like that, you know, who can play half the season and fill in if, if Foster's not there, well, you know, what do they do there? I think it's going to be an under the radar signing. And the reason why is because I think that, that 49ers are probably going to address inside linebacker in the draft. Spoiler are going to draft an inside linebacker at some point in the draft, maybe more than one. Yeah. So I think that you'll see an under the radar sort of signing. Like then uh, this guy, he kind of stuck out to me because he knows the the Robert Sala system. He's played next to Malcolm Smith before, and um, Kevin Pierre Lewis. And Kevin Pierre Lewis used he was he was on the Seahawks when Robert Sala was there, and he's only twenty six years old, and he's a guy that knows the system. He's an off ball linebacker, so he doesn't have to play in the middle. Um, he can be free to, free to make plays and kind of instinctively react within the system that he knows and kind of grew up playing. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that that will be able to pick up that system without any problems. And that's kind of what that's another thing you need in, in, a, in a rebuild is you need system guys that can actually pick up the system and be able to either teach it to others or like when you when you start making your scheme, you know that Malcolm Smith is going to be okay because he's played in the system. Or Kevin Pierre Lewis is going to be okay because he's played in the system. Or Cassius Marsh is going to be okay because he's played in the system in Seattle. So I think I think KPL man, I think that he's going to be uh, a Forty Nine er eventually. I, I really do. I feel like Brock Coyle is going to come back too. Yeah, he he played pretty well towards the end of last year, and, and I could see them bringing him back, even if they look at him as as a replacement for Foster for however long he's suspended. I mean, man, how long he's definitely getting suspended, right? Like Foster's getting suspended, yeah. so. They're going to need at least a replacement for half the season. So, um, but yeah, Coil is another um, option there. But but I agree with you, and and we'll get into all this draft stuff after free agency. But I I don't know. I look at Roquan Smith. You know, if they're there at, at nine ten, I, they may adjust the inside linebacker position then because we don't know what's going to happen with Foster. And if he if Foster is a long term great, then you have two awesome linebackers. But don't know what's going to happen there. So it's definitely something they have to address. And, and that, that just sucks for this team because they were so close to having a really strong defense. You know, if you have that game changing player in the middle of your defense with Foster and you have a game changer in DeForest Buckner, who is 
criminally underrated right now. I think he's just a tremendous player. Solomon Thomas is on the way up. Solomon Thomas was terrific against the run this year. And like I said, he was miscast playing on the outside. I don't, he's not an outside pass rusher. He's an inside player. And he also had a knee issue this year. So I see a big jump from Thomas. So that, you know, those with Foster, those were three big players in your front seven that, that can make a difference. And then we like the safeties. Jukowski Tart had a breakout year, whether it's Ward or Colbert at free safety. You know, I like their games when, when they're on the field. Witherspoon was terrific at cornerback. Williams is decent in the slot. You just need another outside guy and a pass rusher, and all of a sudden this defense really comes together. Yeah, and I think that free agency will kind of dictate what they'll do in the draft because if you start seeing them signing a bunch of starters and guys that can just plug and play and start right away, like, for example, like I know we talked about defense, but on the offensive side, if they sign a guy like Andrew Norwell or, or Weston Richburg, a guy like guy that can just go in and play guard like on day one that eliminates guard from the the list of needs for that first pick they'll basically be able to pick the best player available so i think that free agency will dictate a lot and whether they whether they're aggressive or not we'll see but there are some some prizes to be had i just think that because of the overall quality of the class like that talent at the top is going to command even more of a premium so i i really think that they'll like another guy that I know you were talking about Roquan Smith and he's, he, I love, I would love for Roquan Smith to, to be a 49er, but Tremaine Edmonds, like he's a generational talent. Like the guy is six, five and, and he moves like a guy that's three inches or four inches shorter. Like he's basically Brian Erlacher's build and we'll see yeah. what type of 40 he runs. And and everybody's really high on him. So I think that, that the 49ers are going to have to take a hard look at both him and Roquan Smith, because look, once Rune Foster gets back, assuming he does get back, you can have that same sort of Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman sort of thing going on in the, in the middle of that defense. And when you have two dominant middle linebackers, it changes everything. When they can run sideline to sideline and cover, it changes everything, and it makes your entire defense better. Definitely, definitely. And you mentioned the guards. And in next show, we are going to get into the offensive side of free agency. We, we spent a lot of time on the defense today. And with the Reuben Foster issue, we started talking off about that. We said, hey, let's just, you know, let's just do the defensive side of free agency. But next show, we'll hit up the offensive side have a lot of ideas at running back and you know there's a certain tight end that i like that i keep talking about even though some people think i'm crazy but we'll definitely hit into that next show zane you got anything else um i think the 49ers signed a quarterback didn't they this past week oh they, yeah what was yeah, his I name think, uh it was good g- james garoppolo Jim, Jim, jimmy something yeah james, I, I, jimmy i, I, I might have heard of him i'll have to google his name Oh, I'm sorry. You know what I did want to hit on is I'm choking here. Um, the Kilgore signing. We didn't talk about that. What, give, me, give me your thoughts on, on, on uh, them bringing Kilgore, Kilgore back for three years. So Daniel Kilgore owes a nice little cut of that to Jimmy Garoppolo. Because right. when Jimmy, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah. When Jimmy Garoppolo left for, for the offseason, when they broke for the offseason, he says hoping to have him back. And that's the power that you have as a franchise quarterback. You basically get to dictate a lot of roster moves based off of your comfort level. And they seem very comfortable with each other. And he played like immensely better once Jimmy Garoppolo got to start. He was really struggling with CJ Beathard. And I think that part of that was also CJ kind of struggling to process a, a, the, the offense and read a defense and holding onto the ball too long. But once Jimmy got in there, like Kilgore was, was great. He didn't allow any sacks. He allowed very few pressures and the middle of the line was kind of, kind of really stable. So I, I like the signing because it, it provides continuity. And on top of that, like the the alternatives in free agency weren't any better. So I think that they they did the right thing. And he's he's signed to a, a decent deal. Like he's not signed to elite money. It's not like they they burned a ton of money signing him. So I, I like the fact that they're wanting to keep this continuity. And now, quick fact: he's the only player still on the roster from that 2011 draft, which included oh wow, Alec really? The factoid for you there. Yeah, and he, he did play a lot better towards the end of the season, and he hit it off almost immediately with Garoppolo. And I know Garoppolo went to bat for him, you know, saying how well they worked together. And that probably had a lot to do with him coming back. And the contract doesn't make – the 49ers can still draft a center in the, in the draft. Um, the contract doesn't prohibit them from mm-hmm. doing that. So Kilgore will probably start this year, maybe next year. And then you could, you could draft another guy now in the later rounds to, to groom. And in Kilgore, I, I think he listen. He, has he been up and down yet? But the quarterback play on this team was so bad for the past few years. And and Hoyer held onto the ball. And C.J. Beathard, you know, was a rookie, so obviously he's going to hold onto the ball. Beathard ran into a lot of pressure too. In the previous years, you know, Blaine Gabbert is Blaine Gabbert. 
And Kaepernick, even when he was playing well, it's still hard to play in front of a quarterback like that because Kaepernick's always, he, he wasn't really a pocket passer. He's breaking the pocket constantly. So it's hard to block for a guy like that who's who's all over the place. You know, when he's not really hitting his drop and the ball's coming out, he's running around and everything else. It's it's hard to block. So while, yeah, Kilgore's been up and down, he probably took more criticism than he should have, you know, based on the quarterbacks that were back there. Because when you see a guy like Garoppolo come in, who's three steps and the ball's out, you know, noses read the ball's out, you know, that sort of thing. All of a sudden, you know, they, they look a little bit better. But I, I think it's a decent signing for the next year or two, and, and it's a placeholder signing. And like John said, the Niners probably didn't see anything better in free agency to go out and get. So why not keep the guy that you know for a year or two while you draft and develop, hopefully, you know, your starter for the next five, six years after that. So good signing, decent money, you know, good guy to bring back. Kind of figured it would happen, so. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing what what else they do this offseason. And uh, it's it's that it's that time of the year, Al, where the NBA is kind of not really going anywhere right now. Like the playoffs haven't started yet, and the NHL is kind of slogging along too. They their playoffs are two months away. Baseball hasn't started yet, and obviously the NFL offseason is has barely started. So we're kind of we're kind of in a holding pattern as far as news goes. But I think that in in about the next week and a half or so, you'll see a lot of stuff really start to come up with free agent rumors and interest and potential agreements. And the 49ers are going to be a part of a lot of this. Like they were in yeah. on David, they were in on David Emerson who ended up signing yeah. with the chiefs, but which was probably a, a, a better thing. Cause I didn't, I wasn't really that high on David Emerson, but it just goes to show that they're going to be, they're going to be players. And this is not like when, when Trent Balky was the GM where they just feigned interest to try to get people's attention and let them know that they were kind of trying. They're actually going to be trying. And I think that it's going to be a super, super exciting offseason for 49ers fans. I know that every single day I look at mock drafts. Every day I'm looking at different mock drafts that come up. And every day I'm diff- looking at different rumors that come up online. And, and it's, it's just a lot of fun now. Yeah, I, I remember when, when you would hear the 49ers were interested in a player when, when Balky was the GM. And yeah, they were interested at like their price, which was nowhere near the market price. So you knew they had no chance at the player. But you still heard what they were interested in the player. It was so frustrating. I, I, what, now that those days are gone, like you said, it's you can definitely look forward to the offseason a lot more <laughs> than you could yeah. then. It's definitely frustrating for them. But yeah, February is awful, dude. Awful. It's the I mean, worst got, sports month. We got the Olympics, right? I mean, for I, those Olympics, Olympics, I'm not an Olympic. I like the Summer Olympics a little bit. I'm not a Winter Olympics guy. I, I can't do it. What you don't love the great sport of curling, like bobsledding? <laughs> like, come on, man! Like, I, I'm just not into it at all. You didn't like, mean, you like, like, you didn't like Cool Runnings. I don't think I ever saw Cool Runnings. Like, that was oh my god! That's one of the best movies of all time. You have to it's see on it. Netflix. I should watch it. You, you should watch absolutely yeah, watch. I don't think that. I've ever seen it. That's like about the Nigerian bobsled team or something, right? That will get you into bobsledding. You will be uh, a fan of bobsledding after that. I don't know about that. that. Don't know about that. Did, is, is that how you became to love bobsledding? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that, I, that was, you know, anytime I see the, 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 was it Nigerians or Jamaicans? It was one of those. Uh, every time I see one of those teams, uh, like in the bobsled, sort of uh, the, the, the finals or the, whatever they call it in the Olympics, um, the trials or whatever the heck they call it, I, I'm always intrigued because I'm like, oh, it's going to be just like cool runnings. They're going to win it all. And, and they don't really win it all because that doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check it out on uh, on Netflix or something like that. What are you doing? Like, are you watching any Netflix shows right now? Um, I was watching. Well, I just got done with Stranger Things and Ozark. You like I love Stranger Things. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, as so an, good, as right? an, yeah, as an '80s kid, I mean, like, I don't remember much about the '80s because uh, you know, I was I was not an early '80s kid, but like, it was awesome. Like seeing how they how they have period accurate sort of things in that, and it's it's just yeah, really really good. I just started watching Peaky Blinders. It's, not t- it's like kind of like the Sopranos, but like in, in the 1900s, like 1910s or something like that. But it's, have you seen that? No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, I'm like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm kind of more into like the, the, besides Stranger Things, like the comedy specials, like the Dave Chappelle comedy special. Oh, all right, yeah. Uh, and uh, Hassan Minhaj comedy special. That was really good. He's actually from the same town as, as John Milikoff. He's from, from Davis. Oh, really? Um, that was really good. Yeah. Check that one out if you can. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, Netflix is, Netflix is going off. It's killing cable. Like more people are, wa- more and more people are watching Netflix now because you can get like what you want on demand. Like there's been movies that go straight to Netflix, like Will Smith movies have been st- straight to Netflix, which is awesome. We're getting rid, I'm, we're going to get rid of cable. We're going to get, you know, sl- that sling TV or whatever you could do. That's okay. got NFL network on it. It's got yes network for me. Cause you know, I love the Yankees. You can get, um, 
what's it called the uh, red zone on it like yeah there's like no need for cable anymore like it's and it's like ridiculously high price now so yo sling sponsor us yeah seriously <laughs> right anybody sponsor. anybody sponsor <laughs> us all right <laughs> we're, we're rambling we should probably go so all right thanks everybody again next show we're going to talk about offensive free agents so tweet at us let us know some guys that you want the niners to get and, and we'll talk about it in the next show for sh- next show for sure so for zane Ackby, this is al sacco thanks everybody see you guys